0: What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show lined up for you guys today. Today, we'll be talking about the NCAA tournament. We're in the 16. team. Uh, the first two rounds of the tournament wrapped up this past weekend. Not as many upsets and not as many surprises as you would expect, but it was an entertaining uh, weekend of basketball, so we'll recap that and, and preview the the, the C- Sixteen coming up this weekend. Also on the show, we'll be talking about the the possibly the fall of the Big Baller Brand after Lonzo Ball announced that he was severing ties with the co-founder of uh of Ball, Big Baller Brand over some allegations that he was uh, basically defrauding um, Lonzo and his family. So we'll talk plenty about that. Also, MLB opening day starts this week, so we'll give you guys a little bit of a preview of what we're expecting this season. Of course, we got Who's Flames, Who's Trash, um, and of course, we have Kendall's Court to wrap up the show. This, this should be a great show. Joining me today is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, uh, what are you looking forward to talking about today?
1: Yeah, um, obviously, March Madness is well underway uh, we're into the second weekend. And by the time some people were listening to this uh could be going into the elite eight or final four so uh very exciting times in college basketball obviously um also a uh very uh tough time in college basketball for some people uh who didn't have successful seasons and maybe out of a job, which I may be talking about later in the show uh in a later segment but um yeah. But not only whenever March Madness comes around, we also have the start of baseball season. So uh, we'll give a little, uh, little, little talk about baseball before uh, Opening Day comes around.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to talk about baseball because it's a lot of times it gets sometimes it gets lost in the shuffle. But it is, uh, it is the start of the season. There are some intriguing storylines. So we'll be talking about that later on the show. But let's start today talking about the NCAA tournament. So, the 316 is officially set for this weekend, and all the number one seeds are still alive after this past weekend. Duke needed late-game heroics from Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett to squeak by UCF in the second round, while Carolina, Gonzaga, and Virginia looked strong in their second-round matchups. Meanwhile, uh, teams like Florida State, Oregon, Purdue, Texas Tech, I thought all made some pretty strong statements in their first-weekend matchups. So, Kendall, when you look at the second weekend now, neither of our brackets look that great. I know we didn't really get a chance to do a bracket preview last week. But long story short, neither of us doing that well. Uh, I'm doing really poorly. But, uh, Kendall, what uh, what matchup do you find most intriguing so far, or maybe even a couple of matches you find intriguing for this Sweet 16 weekend we have uh, coming up here?
1: Um... I think, uh... One for me is I think that that Texas Tech, uh, Virginia, not Virginia Texas Tech Michigan game, um, has a chance to be very interesting because I think that, uh, one, I think both teams are capable of going to the final four. I mean, that entire region is tough because I think all four of those teams could find themselves in the final four. Most people have Gonzaga in there. Um, I personally have Michigan coming out of that region. Um, but I almost went with Texas Tech coming out of the region. So it, it's not like it, it could have – and Florida State, you could argue, is playing the best basketball of any team in that region. Um, on Texas, on Florida State, I, I would argue they haven't really played anybody that good. Uh, the American State's a decent team. I don't think that they're a world beater. Uh, and obviously, uh, Vermont, they squeaked by the other team, I wouldn't say is uh, all that great, so – I don't think Florida State's that great, but they have been playing very good basketball. Obviously, they demolished Murray State, so give them that credit. But Texas Tech uh, also had two very very convincing wins. Michigan had a couple convincing wins, so that's going to be a tough region. Um, And then that Houston-Kentucky game, I think probably the closest matchup, I would say, in terms of like in terms of like just overall talent. Like I think like I think those are probably the two best teams that are playing each other, right? This weekend, like um, either that or the other game I mentioned, Michigan, Texas Tech. But I think both teams are Final Four capable teams. Um, both teams were in the top ten for most of the last two months, top ten, top fifteen for the last two months. So um, that's also going to be a very very tough game, and it's also like two polar opposites in terms of like programs where you have. Houston that's relying a lot on obviously veteran players and Kentucky relying heavily primarily on younger players. Whether or not PJ Washington plays is going to be a big factor in that game, I'd imagine. So, Definitely. Uh there's a lot of there there's a lot of good games this weekend. Obviously people are gonna be watching that Duke game, of course. I picked Virginia Tech in that, by the way, so
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of good games. Uh, like you said, I think Duke against Virginia Tech is an interesting one. It's in playing being played in D.C., so Virginia Tech should have a very good showing in terms of crowd. Um, obviously, Duke looking a little vulnerable in their last game. They really didn't play great in the first half of the first game against North Dakota State. They were uh, they were only up, by, I believe, four points. This was a crazy first round in which three of the four games or two of the four games you had the 16 seed winning. In the first half, uh, Virginia looking very shaky. North Carolina looking very shaky before playing much better in the second round. So uh, a lot of people have their eyes on Duke and Zion Williamson as expected. I think to me, if I'm pinpointing one matchup that is most intriguing, I'm gonna go LSU Michigan State. Uh, I the LSU, really showed me a lot. I you know I was this guy. I was one of the guys who did not believe in them without Will Wade with the team that while they're extremely talented, I thought you know, perhaps weren't going to be ready for this kind of moment to rise to the occasion the way they did in their first two games. Uh, the, the combined net margin of victory in both of those games was only seven points. So I mean, people may look at that and say, oh, well, you know, maybe they kind of are just squeaking by. But I thought they fa- they faced a game Yale team who, besides uh, Oni uh, 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 Oney not playing well for Yale, I thought they, they, they brought the fight to LSU in that second half, especially after Maryland brought the fight to LSU. And those are the kind of games that I don't think I envisioned LSU was going to be able to win. But when you watch them play and you see uh, Mays and, and, and Waters and how impressive that backcourt is and how clutch they are. You see the size they have with Reed and, and Bigby Williams. LSU is an impressive team coming into this game against Michigan State. Who dealt with a little bit of controversy in that Bradley game involving Izzo and, uh, and, and Henry. And... Um, Looking much better, obviously, in that second-round game against Minnesota. But I think that this is an interesting team game because I feel like LSU, top to bottom, has more talent. But will the experience that Michigan State has and, and the leadership of Tom Izzo, will that kind of outweigh maybe what are some of the uh, in, in, inexperienced uh, you know, concerns you would have with LSU? That matchup, to me, is very intriguing. You talked about Texas Tech and Michigan being very intriguing. Uh, I don't expect that game to be very high-scoring. But uh, but I do expect um, both of those teams to play extremely hard. Culver has been a beast in this in this tournament. It'll be fascinating to see how Michigan guards him, considering they are one of the best defensive teams in the country. I mean, the one thing that's good, Kendall, about having you know not too many upsets is you look at these matchups, and there aren't too many games you look at and say, "Oh, this was this just looks like a blowout." You know, sometimes you get these. Uh, teams that are double t- double digit seeds that advance deep into the tournament, you know, they may have beaten a couple of good teams, but when they play against a number one seed or a number two seed, you know, then it becomes a lot more of a tougher challenge, and that's where you maybe you see these teams not compete uh, at that level. We have all single digit seeds with the exception of one double digit seed. We have no seeds outside of the top five, Kendall, besides Oregon, who's at twelve. Well, I think a lot of people will look at Oregon today and not feel like they're a real twelve because of um because of right. one being a big a big program big time program with big time players and the fact that they've played so well over the last three or four weeks. So this feels like a big fight field in pretty much all these games. Purdue, Tennessee, Carolina, Auburn, um Houston, you can't, I mean, there aren't any games where I look at and say, oh, well, this game I can kind of just write in who I think is going to happen. What I think is going to happen, of course, is March Madness. Anything can happen. All, all these games, to me, look nip and tuck. Uh, as a Gonzaga fan, I'm very concerned about this matchup against Florida State. I thought Florida State, while you do point out they played against two mid-major teams, I thought their length and their athleticism was scary against Murray State. A team that I thought would show much better against them than they did i mean they ran them off, out the gym and, and Morant gave him the, gave him his best game yeah Morant <laughs> played extremely well and he it played did, as well as he could have. it didn't matter at all because florida state is a special team to me because they while sometimes you may say okay well who's the guy that can do it for them i, I think we may i think we may need to start looking at it differently you know we know what they do defensively but instead of saying, oh, who's the guy that can take over? I think we're starting to understand now they have many guys who can take over. Yeah. It's, it's, not a, a, it's not because they're a balanced scoring team and a team that plays a deep rotation. It's not because, oh, they don't really have anybody. So they kind of just need, you know, anybody, somebody, you know, it's a kind of a by committee. No, Kevin Gelly, Terrence Mann, MJ Walker, all these guys can hoop. All these guys at any given yeah. night, they could get 30 and it would not surprise me. So that kind of team with that kind of defense and, and the fact that Leonard Hamilton is comfortable playing so many guys who so they able to press, they able to do a lot of different things. Uh, Gonzaga, I thought, looked very strong in their first two games, but they lost to this team last week last year, and it's going to be a lot of the same faces going out there this weekend, and, and that's going to be a very difficult game. I think of all the one-seeds, they've had the toughest draw, which is supposed to happen because they're the fourth seed. And then the number four or number one seed, I mean. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. I mean, that's gonna be an interesting matchup. i I think Gonzaga's gonna be ready because of the last time they played them. You know, like I, I think. no, sometimes that doesn't matter. I mean, didn't uh didn't Arizona play uh, Wisconsin twice in the Elite Eight and lost them both times? Yeah, uh, back to back. So sometimes that doesn't matter, but. Um, you would think that this team would be a little more prepared, and obviously we also saw what happened to Virginia, almost where they,
0: well, <laughs> that 16 yeah. seed,
1: and they just, if they're playing against a, a good team, there's no way they win that game. Only because Gardner Webb, you know, kind of shriveled in the second half, and Virginia turned up the heat. They lost that game, but sometimes that that motivation doesn't mean anything. Sometimes it's a it's a mental block, right? You know. It, that's the question that's going to be for Gonzaga. Is this going to be a wake-up call from last year? Is they going to get a wake-up call from last year, or is it going to be kind of that nightmare haunting them in the back of their mind?
0: Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a fascinating game either way. Again, I think this is your college basketball fan. I think you're going to love this weekend. I just feel like you got competitive game after competitive game. I do not expect to see many blowouts. though, um, out of the 16 teams that we have, now that you see what the Sweet 16 looks like, Who are the teams that you think will go to the final four? Forget about what your bracket said, though. If you want to stick with your bracket, you, of course you can. Based on now these matches that you see that are happening, who are the four teams that you see coming out of this and going to Minnesota next week?
1: Yeah, um, I still feel good about my bracket. Um, I I had Michigan, I had Virginia, and I had North Carolina in the final four. I'm going to stick with those teams. Um the only team I didn't have is Uh, or the only team that I had that's not left is Louisville, and they lost in the first round obviously uh, but I think Virginia Tech is the team I think I could see making it to the final four um, I think Tech or I mean obviously Duke but I think Duke's gonna lose this next game which I mean why you say that I just I, this Duke team I, I, I've been saying for a while I think they're overrated you know I don't think that they're I mean, they're a good team, certainly. Um, and they could win this game. They could win this game by 20. if, they, if Barrett and Zion and, and Cam Reddish are all hitting shots. Um, but at some point, maybe their game was last week, but at some point they're going to have a game where – and those – I mean, Zion played great. They still almost lost that last game. At some point they're going to have a game where, like, they just don't play good. And when that happens – Unless the other team plays poorly, which is going to get less likely as the teams get better, um, they're going to they're going to get nipped and or they're going to get clipped. And I think that it's going to happen. I, I predicted it would happen against Virginia Tech. Uh, UCF was probably the perfect team, the perfect type of eight C team to beat Duke because of the size that they had and. Uh, you know, the the backcourt that yeah, they had the had. guard
0: play. Like, yeah. Yeah, the
1: guard pay the guard play. Like they had the perfect formula to beat a Duke. To beat this Duke team. And they still couldn't do it. They should've. Uh a lot of factors that <laughs> led to that loss. Uh part of me blames Taco Fall for letting Zion want to get an ant one and not like hacking him. But mm, uh yeah. or letting him go. I think that's something the that nobody's talking about I That's think, true. Like, that was one of the dumbest play of the game was just standing there and letting. Yeah,
0: I, I, the yeah, he's worried. So about it. Seven six. He's worried right about. It. Yeah, he's worried about his fifth file. But like, if it's end of the game, they're down by. I mean, you just can't let him. Can't let him get three point play. Yeah, either that sense. or
1: don't don't touch him. Yeah, or, or
0: let him go. Exactly. You're, him you're right about that. It's a good point.
1: They don't. They probably win that game if you know he doesn't have a brain fart there. But they also, probably, three win three
0: that, they also probably win that game. probably that game if Dawkins catches that alley oop or if the guy who threw the alley realizes, hey, it's four point game. And, uh, we're trying to beat Duke. Maybe I shouldn't be throwing an alley-oop right now. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I should do a basic bounce pass to ensure <laughs> if we get this bucketed in. I would have put it, put him up by six without a minute and a half left, and then that would have been real tough sailing for Duke.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, credit to Johnny Dawkins. Oh, he uh, coached a
0: great – I thought he coached a great game.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he out-coached Coach K, and, you know, it's, it's a shame that, he, that they couldn't – he couldn't get a W for that, but, uh. You know he handled he handled that loss with class, so I give him credit. Um, but yeah, I think this Duke team is is vulnerable, and Virginia Tech has already proven that they could beat Duke. Um, granted, uh, I believe that was without Zion. So, um,
0: but the one thing yeah. about Duke, you talked you talked about how Duke hasn't really had you know you thought you know they did have a, a scare against UCF, but one thing that I think to to pay attention to about Duke that. I really didn't think about that much, but something that Bomani Jones, shout out to him. uh, He mentioned in an interview with uh, Ebro and Peter Rosenberg from Hot 97, shout out to them as well, uh, that Duke is a really bad three-point shooting team and really a bad outside shooting team overall. And that typically those kind of teams run into a game where they either can't make threes or they can't make free throws and it costs them. Cal Perry had it happen to him twice. Happened to him at Memphis in that championship game where team couldn't make free throws when they needed to, and then it happened with him with Demarcus Cousins and John Wall when they were by far the best team. But you know, Bob Huggins put a zone on them in the 316 16 with West Virginia and they got bounced. Duke did not have that game on Saturday, yesterday or Sunday, whenever that game was. Yesterday won, but they didn't have that game where they shot a uh, eight for thirty or a uh, or seven for twenty seven. They shot ten for twenty-five from three, albeit there were play there were times where UCF was literally just giving them wide open shots. Um But well they play against a team with a little more talent that won't just give them wide open shots. They actually actually make decent contested shots. And they're not hitting those, which they probably won't because they don't really hit them on on a regular basis. Do they win that game? That's a game we haven't seen them play yet in this tournament. We've seen them lose that game in the regular season. That game is going to come at some point. They're not going to shoot 40% from three for the whole tournament. I'm just wondering if that game happens against Virginia Tech. Does it happen in the Final Four? But can they survive that kind of game? And I think a lot of that will depend on whether or not they can make it a grinded-out defensive game, which they're capable of doing. They're an excellent defensive team, though I thought UCF executed very well um, against them uh, on Sunday. That's going to be the key.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just think that I would just wouldn't be surprised if uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker ends up being the best player on the floor. Uh, and I mean, Zion obviously is a great player, but you know, if he just the the thing about Williamson is a lot of what a lot of his a lot of his production is also dependent on how the rest call the game because if they call it tight. He get in foul trouble quickly. Um, and if that happens, we saw it against Texas Tech, and he's a relative non-factor. Now it's up to Barrett to really shine. And there are times where Barrett completely steps up and dominates. And there are times where Barrett is out of control or he doesn't have a shot, and then he struggles, and then Duke struggles. So I, this could go either way. I just, for me, it's more so a gut feeling than it is a a logic thing. You know, I think... I just have a gut feeling that they might not have the game that people expect. Um, it may not, come, may not even come uh, against Virginia Tech. It may come against LSU or Michigan State, but right. I expect it to come at
0: some point before and, the final. And no, another team to keep an eye on Kendall, is Purdue. Uh, that's another team that I did not really put much stock in in this tournament. And yeah, I had to the, the way they annihilated Villanova was unlike uh I haven't seen a Jay Wright team look like that in the tournament in a couple of years. You know, he had that buggy where he couldn't win the big one, and all of a sudden he, he's winning all the championships recently. But, I mean, they just got taken to the woodshed, and Carson Edwards was just such a flamethrower. And that's a, that's going to be a dangerous team because he's kind of unpredictable. You know he's going to shoot a lot, but if he gets it going, he's a fearless guy. I, I'm very fascinated to see a guy like him uh, match up, maybe going bucket for bucket with someone like Admiral Schofield who ironically actually wasn't in the game late against uh, against Iowa when Iowa made that, that late run. Uh, you know, Purdue, they got size. They got a dynamite score. They're a team to look at, too. I mean, I, I think this is going to be a great weekend. So many great games. We even talk about much about the fact that, you know, Kentucky won two close games without – or one close game without uh, uh, P.J. Washington and what that means, whether or not he'll play. A lot of things to look forward to. In terms of my final four before we move on, I I think I'm going to stay with my final four, which was Duke, Gonzaga, uh, Tennessee, and Carolina. I don't feel great about Gonzaga and Tennessee today. Uh, and nothing to do with how Gonzaga played. I thought they played great. I think the match that they have is extremely difficult. But... I think if they win that game, they match up much better with either Texas Tech or Michigan. Michigan, uh, Michigan. and for for Tennessee, I, I just I, I just don't like how they really played in either game. Uh, I thought the Colgate game, uh, the two two games, two three game, second half, I just thought they didn't play with the kind of intensity and focus needed to be a championship team. That was a little, it's a little surprising considering what this team went through last year, um, and I think the maturity this team has, but. Uh, but I'm going to still stick with it. But I think if there are two teams, I would say who are the least likely of the teams that I have in the Final Four, I would say it's those two teams right now. But um, let's move on, Kendall. Let's go to pro hoops. Let's talk about Lonzo Ball. So the Laker point guard announced he was cutting ties with big baller brand co-founder Alan Foster over allegations the family friend was using his position in the company to enrich himself and his, and is responsible for $1.5 million going unaccounted for. Foster, who was previously convicted on fraud charges, allegedly would not present any documentation for the expenses in the company. Since the move, LaMelo Ball, Lonzo's brother, and Lonzo's manager have each posted cryptic social media messages and comments hinting at their departure from Big Baller Brand. Lonzo's decision is gaining praise from teammate LeBron James, who said he was proud of Zobe, quote, becoming a man. Can the, the whole Lonzo Ball, Ball family drama, Ball family kind of social experiment that we see saw happen with LeVar and how he was handling his kids' rise to stardom has been uh, pretty much picked at and proud of that and and weighed in on by pretty much everybody in the country who's been paying attention. That's a lot of people because LeVar has brought a lot of eyeballs to this family. Um, but now, Kendall, you have the Ball family reportedly discussing dissolving the company, which Lonzo owns 51% of, what is your take on what appears to be the imminent uh, end of the Triple B?
1: Yeah, I mean it. It's uh, it's coming at a time that I did not expect. Um, you know, big baller brand. I, I, am not gonna lie. I had thoughts in my mind like the last like maybe like two three weeks ago. I just thought about like, cause I was thinking about the JBA, and I was like, is JBA like gonna do another? Are they gonna have another season? That's what I'm thinking in my head. So I was like, I was like, is there like is the future of what are you happening with Big Baller Brand? They kind of gone quiet, and so I even thought to my, I've I've already had this, you know thoughts about like whether or not the future of Big Baller Brand is really going to be intact or not, whether or not we had seen the last of Lou Ball. man not the last, but the the last of him as a regular sports figure. Um, but I definitely, you know, the story seems sad. Uh, hopefully this is more about Alan, Alan Foster, uh, versus the ball family than it is about like LeVar and Alan Foster versus Lonzo,
0: Mello, and Jello. Um, so far that would... that's how it seems but again this is a developing thing so who knows what happens in the next you day mean, or the week or anything You
1: think it's the Ball family
0: versus Foster, right? I I I think it's the the, the Ball kids versus Foster. I think LaVar is, is kind of I, I think he's kind of doesn't is not sure what to believe or what to think right now. I right. think he, to me I when I saw his statement which was very generic didn't make any real statements about the future of the company other than saying that I will, you know, stick by my family and my sons. He sounded like someone who didn't want to get anyone upset, who didn't want to uh, alienate anyone and was trying to possibly keep something together and was maybe trying to still figure out what exactly was going on. And to me, I, I felt, even though that could be a leap, I feel comfortable taking that leap in my assumption because this is a guy who does not mince words. This is not a guy who uh, is carefully calculating, to me. Maybe he is. He's probably was say he is. But he seems to be a guy who shoots at the hip and kind of sh- talks first and asks questions later. So to see this kind of not very much hedging, very much not really making any strong statement on this these explosive allegations about his friend, uh, the, the fact that that statement was so benign to me told tells me that i don't know if he's necessarily on the side of his boys yet i think he's on the side of i'm always going to support them i don't know if he's on the side of oh we need to get rid of this guy and like do our continue our business or or scrap the business i think he still wants to keep that intact perhaps or maybe again he's still trying to figure out exactly what is the lengths that this guy has gone to possibly scam them
1: right Um, The other side of this is that there's been a lot of talk about whether or not Lonzo's injuries uh, have, you know, been in part because he wears big ball brand sneakers. Yeah, exactly. You know, so there's that uh, because he's obviously had a pretty long list of injuries since he's entered the league in only two seasons. Um, You saw
0: in that social media post, he posted basically the Nike slogan. Uh, in the Nike font, um, you know, it basically, it's only, it's only point- crazy until you do it. Yeah. It's basically, basically just pointing to Nike is the next step. It's in hashtag yeah. Nike's the only,
1: man. I mean, he could do other things, but that would, that's the one that would make the most sense. Um, and he still, ha- I mean, he may not be the superstar that people thought he would be at this stage, but he still has plenty of value to a sneaker company uh, more than the average player in the league, more than probably the average player, definitely more than the average player since Caliber, just because he has so many followers on social media for and sure. he plays for the Lakers. He plays with LeBron. There are a lot of factors. Why, and he may not play for the Lakers for that long. We'll see what his future is with the team. But like, there are a lot of factors why Wanda ball is still going to be a coveted piece, whether it's with a big baller brand or whether it's for another company. Um he probably has just as much man, just as much, but nearly as much shine now as he did when he was coming out of the draft. So I would so I would definitely, um I I you know, I I don't think he's like I don't think this is like the worst thing in the world that he has to leave Big Ball over in. This could be a an opportunity for him to really, you know, take take control of his career.
0: Well, and, yeah. You know, well, yeah, what are you gonna say? no, I was gonna say. Look, I I think that you know we gotta think about you know LeBron said becoming him becoming a man. We gotta think about the idea that Lonzo Ball has been now around other NBA players for two years, and you know we know that the big baller brand and Levar and everything that comes with what they were trying to do over there does come with a circus, does come with um. Sometimes amateur hour. Sometimes amateur hour, like stuff. Like yeah. you know, like I think that you know, anyone being objective, even the people who love, or even the people who love Levar and like have supported Levar, uh, and supported the the big baller brand, would admit that yes, they've had growing pains and they've had things that they had to work out. The fact that the JBA guys, half the guys, weren't paid. They, <laughs> the places was empty. Um, the issues with the shoes. I mean, they they've had their struggles in trying to be uh, a startup company. And Lonzo, being in the NBA, we know how close he is with Kyle Kuzma. He's now been with other NBA players, not just on his team, but just probably other guys he's become, you know, close with or friends with in the league. And he sees that their businessman is somebody who's a professional. He's not some, just some guy my dad knew. You know, He sees that, you know, these other companies are able to kind of take care of their business interests in a way that makes those guys feel very comfortable where he felt very uncomfortable. You know I'm I, you know he's saying he wants to be his quote his own man I'm not suggesting that he doesn't and I'm not saying he's a follower but when you see other guys and kind of how their business affairs are being handled and you look at how your business affairs are being handled, you probably look at that and say why am I dealing with this? like is it really worth it especially if the money that they expected to come into big borrow brand isn't what isn't what they thought it would be which we won't know that apparently they don't really know that again because this guy has been so shady with the money situation. Like he probably might have just had enough with the whole thing, and this guy having this, you know, potential criminal activity going on was enough to be like, yeah, you no, know shut it all down. I don't need this. We we need to just move on. And again, for him, I think that would make sense. What's what's interesting to me, Kendall, is I'm curious if you know a lot of people were excited about Levar and and this idea, this. Thing of you know a player pretty much marketing themselves within the family and keeping the money within themselves being away from the establishment away from the corporations there's a lot of pride in that and as someone who's you know uh, certainly not a corporatist i'll just leave it like that uh even i uh was intrigued by what they were trying to do but i wonder if this is going to deter other people from trying to go this same route I, I would hope that's not the case. Uh, I feel like, you know, this is just, again, just me, my opinion. I just feel like I don't know if Lavar did the kind of homework needed to try to do what he was trying to do. I think his vision was mostly pure. I do feel like there was a lot of, you know, self-grandizing and, and trying to get himself in the camera and... Enrich his kids, but also enrich himself. I don't think that that, I don't think it was anything that was like, oh, I'm trying to do it in spite of my kids. I think he was trying to also include himself in it. I don't think he was trying to, any, in any way, take money from his kids. But I do think he wanted to kind of make himself a, a name, make himself a face. We know he clearly cares about that, how much he talks about how great an athlete he was, how he could beat Michael Jordan. So clearly he cares about that kind of thing. But I, I do question whether or not he did that kind of homework necessary to kind of do the things he was trying to do. What he was trying to do was extremely hard. When you hear that he was giving uh, the keys to the the big ball of brand finances of someone who was convicted of fraud for defrauding people in churches. That to me speaks to someone who either is really, really ignorant to a level that board, that borders on stupidity, and I do not think Lavar is a stupid person. Um so I don't I don't think that's it. I think he knew this guy probably had some issues in his past. But again, I don't know if it speaks to the level of homework needed to to understand that, hey, maybe this isn't the best guy to be working on finances. Maybe this isn't the best guy to kind of just put in in, in the spotlight and put so much weight on with someone who has such a checkered background. And did he do the homework of trying to find people who could do that kind of work that wasn't in his inner circle? You know, he was I think he was so focused on keeping everything in the family, quote unquote. That this guy who was supposed to be in the family ended up being the one who maybe even robbing them blind to begin with. Uh, this is not a story that we should be laughing about. This is not a story that you know people should be like, ha ha. You know, this is not anytime somebody loses, uh, especially to me, a young kid uh, or a young man. If you want to say Lonzo, a young man, you know, loses you know one and a half, two million dollars over you know some scam, scam nonsense. That sucks. And, and I don't like it, and, I, and, I, and it's it's awful on every level. But uh, in terms of LeVar, I, I hope this doesn't deter other people from thinking maybe I can do what Lavar tried to do, but maybe do it with less brashness, maybe with more uh, – doing more of the homework needed to kind of try to accomplish what they were trying to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, well, a lot of it's going to come down to, for me – Whatever comes about with this whole FBI sneaker college basketball uh investigation, um we'll see what the remaining we'll see what the 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 grassroots basketball circuit uh looks like, um, you know, in two years. Two, three years, whether or not it's the same whether or not shoe companies have the same pull or the same power in the grassroots circuit. Because uh, that's something that people uh, some people don't realize, like well, these guys didn't play AAU in for a seeker company. Uh so yeah. like, you know, and that in, in that case, in that sense, like credit to Lovar. Um but like if that if that model becomes maybe not extinct, but if that model becomes weakened. Will we see more guys say, you know what? Well, I have no ties to Nike. I have no allegiance to Adidas. You know, why can't I make my own shoe? Or, you know, I think Spencer Dinwiddie has his own shoe also. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I I don't envision it being a thing. But with that, plus uh, the one and done being ridden with, Will we see more guys trying to promote stuff
0: earlier in their careers? I wouldn't rule it out. And we, you know, I hope I'm hoping this story doesn't end as sad as it appears to be heading, because when we think about the fact that Le'Angelo Ball played zero college basketball, uh, primarily I won't say primarily, but partly to forward the big baller brand 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 uh the fact that i would say primarily but you say primarily that's say prim- you, you could that's fair it's fair yeah. i i don't know for sure because they we don't know that, for the fact, that he was suspended there but- there were things that happened so I, I don't want to just say it was all that or primarily that for sure but you could make the case that it was primarily to fall big ball brand um the mellow ball not playing high school basketball going overseas starting their own league all that stuff Definitely, definitely. That I will say for sure. Primarily to forward the brand of Big Baller Brand. The idea that and, and he did not play high school basketball. You know, the last for the last year is trying to play this year at a prep school. We still don't know what his eligibility is like and whether or not he will be able to play college basketball next year. If he's not able to play college, he's basketball. he's not being recruited at a high level. He's not being recruited at a high level. He's taking these unofficial visits. I haven't heard one of these places saying that they want him. So you
1: he's, he's a top. 20 player in the country
0: absolutely and 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 a guy anywhere and a guy who could who could who if this none of this happened could have played at a lot of big time schools would have been on nba radars and you know would have gotten the kind of shine that you expect from a top five a top 20 five star kind of recruit he doesn't have that now because they were forwarding the big baller brand so that was a huge mistake by the way well i mean i'm
1: sure he would acknowledge
0: that but like Absolutely, we knew. I it mean, if this dude would
1: have stayed at Chino Hills, I mean, he would have been the most decorated California high school basketball player ever, and would have been a consensus top ten player in the country. Would have been the most famous
0: high school basketball player you could argue ever, and. A lot like, of, see, that's the, thing about the, high school. that's the thing about the big baller brand fall, potentially, is that a lot of the stuff they were doing, they still could have done, but not done the other foolishness. He could have yeah. still been doing a lot of the big baller brand stuff, but still been playing at Chino Hills. Yeah. But it became a, I want, I don't want this coach. I got to be the coach. You got to play this way. You know, they got to wear big baller brand. It became like, it became a circus.
1: And yeah, he, he wanted to insert himself.
0: Right, and that's where LeVar has to come in and he's got to look in the mirror now. Uh, you know, he's got to look in the mirror and say, what did I create? And is and did this become beneficial for my kids in the end? I think he could probably t- convince himself that while what Lonzo's going through right now sucks and you ain't going to just get back, you know, $1.5 million, I don't care how rich you are even if you play in the NBA, $1.5 million is $1.5 million. Especially you're talking about untaxed money in california you just lost that that was yours that's that's terrible so 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 that's a big deal but you can he can maybe argue look i got my son to be this big name in college basketball he was a household name he was an immediate star and i don't mean star as a player but star as a name when he got to the nba that could not have happened if i just kept my mouth shut ever like a normal college basketball parent I would say that he was right and that you, maybe he could argue that case. But he went but full tilt. The actions he took beyond Lonzo, I don't know if anyone could argue was beneficial to Lonzo uh, post-UCLA and to, Levar, to to Jello and Mello. I don't I, 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 don't see how that could be argued. Jello should still be at UCLA. Exactly. He'd be, what, a junior? A sophomore? Yeah. He'd be a, he'd be a junior, I think, at this point. And who knows? Maybe at this point he becomes a really good player, and maybe now NBA teams are looking at him. How many guys yeah. are like top 120, 150? And then by the end a year, couple they, years, yeah, junior year they're great, and then now they're looking at they begin NBA looks like. But this thing of they all going one and done, it became a pride thing. It, there was so much <laughs> wrong with everything that was going on, and the idea that just I don't know. I I, I hope. That again, this doesn't end the way it looks, but the idea that this kid Jello didn't have a chance to play basketball at you know one of the most prestigious colleges in the world, and one of the most prestigious college basketball programs we have in America, because of Big Baller Brand, and that you know Lamelo potentially lose his opportunity to play college basketball, hurt his chances of being drafted in a good spot in the NBA because of Big Baller Brand, all for something that was being run. By a crook, allegedly. I mean, all that happened, and this is what comes out of it. That's a huge L. There's no other way to describe. It. That's a huge L. Um, but all I can say is, I hope that the, that doesn't turn out to be the cautionary tale that appears, and I hope that this doesn't, you know, you know, deter other young entrepreneurs that are, you know, that are hoop families or hoop players who want to say, I want to, you know, get away from the big agents and the and the in the in the corporation i want to do my own thing i don't think that this should be your cautionary tale but it is sad when you see the biggest the biggest example of someone trying to do that and you see it go so south so quickly this is this is definitely uh not good in that regard uh but kendall let's talk about baseball because the boys of summer are back in town baseball season this week uh begins um with many headlines to boot in recent weeks, we had big money go to big-name free agents like Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. We had big-name uh, players re with for big money with their teams like Mike Trout, who got a record-breaking $400 million deal. Alex Bregman signed our a, a $100 million deal recently. Today, Jacob DeGrom signed a new five-year $137 million deal with the New York Mets. So. Crazy money is going around. Of course, the Red Sox trying to defend their World Series title. There are plenty of storylines this baseball season. Kendall, what is the storyline that is most intriguing to you as we head into the new year? Um,
1: Obviously, it's going to be uh, whether or not, you know,
0: Giants top prospect number two pick Joey Bart. No, no, Kendall, so, Kendall <laughs> I'm cutting you off right there. Nobody, nobody cares <laughs> or who knows who Joey Bart is. Julie work so, number two pick in the draft. Okay, well, no, he is he's, he's not the he is not the biggest story in baseball <laughs> this year.
1: <laughs> uh I would say for me, um well, I mean it would have been, you know, Mike Trout's future in LA had that not been locked up. But uh now I look at uh it's gotta be Harper in Philly, obviously. And he obviously we spent I guess you could probably throw in Harper and Machado. You know, we spent all all season talking about those two guys only, basically. And there are plenty of other storylines to talk about, but uh, I would say that when you talk all season about those two guys, they get their money, uh, they end up Harper in the destination people expected, Machado maybe... Not in the the destination we expected, but they got their money nonetheless for the most part. And now it's time for those guys to, you know, shut up and play baseball. I probably shouldn't say that. But, you know, in terms of the money-wise, it's time for these guys to, you know, produce. And, I mean, the question is, for someone like Harper, Philly is not not a market to mess around and bat 240 like he did last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not when you're making $300 million. No, they
0: will not accept that. At all. Yeah. And
1: so he's going to definitely, I do think they'll take it fairly slow. I think they're still in that honeymoon period. I think like he could have a bad first month. He could have a bad April and like, I don't think people will panic, but by the time June rolls around, if he doesn't, if he doesn't get a, if he, if he isn't playing good baseball, like that's when I think people will really start to get a little hectic. Um But I I would say that with Harper and then obviously Machado in what will be a very tough NL West, uh, whether or not he can move the needle for the Dodgers in that tough division where you know, obviously, uh, for the Padres rather, where you know the Dodgers are going to be tough, you know the uh, D-backs are going to be be tough, and the Rockies are going to be tough. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously... And know, they John- they
0: just brought off Fernando Tatis Jr., who's, a, by all accounts, a, a complete blue-chip prospect to play alongside Machado on the right side of that infield, too. Interesting. So I I, know, that man. should be... a So, so the Padres are going to be an f- interesting interesting team to watch as well.
1: Speaking of prospects,
0: the other storyline for me, I don't
1: know if this is going to be your storyline. I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think it is. it is. I want to see what uh, Vlad Jr. does. Yeah. When, when he, whenever he gets to the major leagues... Uh, and he's an everyday player. I want to see what he looks like out in Toronto because number one prospect in baseball by most scouting services and uh, elite at the plate. Yeah, in all, just crazy. It all crazy classes. numbers. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's that'll be certainly exciting to watch. In the same vein that his dad Vlad McGrero
0: Senior was. Yeah, no, he should be. He's a uh, you guys haven't gotten chances to see Vlad Junior at the plate. Go to YouTube. Go go find some footage of this kid. He's only twenty years old. Uh, you, you know Vladimir Guerrero is one of those players that he's a he's a special player, and you're not sure if you're gonna see another guy like him, uh, who could swing at everything, who could hit anything, fearless at the plate. It's crazy to see him have a son named Vladimir Guerrero, and him to be the same exact way. Uh, the kid can absolutely mash. He's gonna be a fun kid to check out. But no, because that's not my storyline. Though I do, I do want to see what Vlad Guerrero does in his rookie year. I do want to see what Fran Tatis Jr. does. A lot of, a lot of legacy kids coming up through the majors. Uh, uh, Bob Bichetti also out there in Toronto. A lot of, a lot of legacy kids to keep an eye on. But I, I'm, am gonna be a little bit of a homer. I'm gonna be a little bit of a, of a, of a arrogant baseball fan here. I'm gonna say, man, I want to see Yanks and Sox. The Yanks and Sox rivalry. That divisional race, I think, will also uh, will be another nail-biter. I think it will be a story we're following all year. Um, in years where the Red Sox have won World Series, typically I feel like in past years the Yankees have taken brash action to make sure that doesn't happen. They really didn't do that this year. But we know the kind of bats they have at the plate. They're hoping that they could figure out their pitching. And with the Red Sox... Uh, they've won all these world series, but they've never won back to back. So, uh, and a lot of, some of these years they've won a world series and just fallen off the face of the the earth the second year, which I don't think anyone thinks is going to happen, but we didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, when Farrell and them guys won it, maybe what, like eight, seven or eight years ago when they, next year they, they won like 69 games. So that race is going to be extremely fun to watch. Most people feel like those teams, along with Houston, are the teams to beat in the American League, so we know that that means that you got that one game playoff of uh, you know possibility in the wild card if it's the Yanks and sox uh both making the playoffs and and how that rivalry continues how that rivalry uh grows is something that I'll be keeping an eye on
1: yeah, um you know that that division is gonna be pretty much only uh the Sox and, and the Yankees. Yeah. Uh I, the Orioles obviously is like the are the worst team in baseball. Um I mean I mentioned the Blue Jays are bringing in Vlad Junior. Uh they have some pieces that uh suggest that they're not gonna be they're they're not they're they're also trying to win the division, but
0: they're, they're they they're too probably, far away though.
1: Yeah, they project, I would say, closer to 80 wins than they do to hundred, which might be what you need to win the division. Yeah. Um, But, and then obviously Tampa is another team that I'm
0: not too high on.
1: Um, Although they did just extend uh, place now. But,
0: no. uh, Everybody's getting paid, Kendall. In baseball today, everybody is getting paid. They're getting paid crazy money. Except for Mookie Betts. You know, yeah, hasn't well, got his money yet. Well, when well, he does, he will. Yeah. That number is going to be crazy as well. He will get three hundred million. Yeah, he might get four hundred. He might, he might, he might. Yeah, I'm saying he he, will, he's, he's, he's getting at least three hundred. Yeah,
1: he's
0: yeah. getting at least three hundred, but he could very well get Boston gonna let him walk. So offer them four hundred. Yeah, I can't imagine Boston letting him walk. <laughs> I can't. I, I think I think he's a guy that you just write an open. You give him an open. Track. yeah blank check yeah just say whatever it takes because of what he accomplished last year uh winning a world series title his age and his his ability the kids uh special now he's a he's not as much a kid anymore uh, but he's a special special player um let's do division picks Kendall. quickly go through the a- AL first who, who who's winning these divisions
1: um in the al east i'm gonna go with the red sox uh, AL West, hmm, Astros, um, and the AL Central give me.
0: Hmm, I'm going to say Cleveland. Didn't seem as confident in that last one. I did not. Um, they have a great rotation, and the division is still down, but. They've lost uh, yeah. a lot over the last few years. Yeah, I I don't know. I,
1: I that, it's gonna be that's a that's gonna be a, that's a tough division to kind of read. Um, I feel uh, I feel like I, I do want to see what Minnesota is able to do. Yeah, uh, you know they obviously have some young
0: pieces, but I'll Roc- go Rocco Baldelli is their new manager. It's a, yeah. a name from the past oh, yeah. for for people like us who. Watched them play for the Rays back in the day. Um, so, uh, yeah, well you can run through the AL. So my AL, uh, I'm gonna go Yankees in the East. I I think that there's got to be some slippage for the Red Sox, but I mean they had a remarkable season last year, so if they they didn't. It was it wouldn't surprise me. But just, typically World Series teams, this the the regular season isn't as. Uh, Meaningful sometimes, so I'm gonna say the Yankees, who who badly want to win that division back, get it. In the Central, uh, I, I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go with the Twinkies. Actually, I, I'm gonna go with the Twins. I, I feel like the Cleveland Indians' time has kind of ended. Yeah, they still have a lot of talent. and You could argue they still have the best team, but I, I was impressed with how Minnesota has kind of come up, and I'm willing to see uh maybe them kind of surprise people and win that division. So I'll go with the twins in that division. In the uh in the uh West I'm going Houston. I don't think there's really much else to say. That they're, they're by far the best team in that league. And uh we, neither of us did a wild card. I mean the wild card I have is the Red Sox. You know. I think we both probably have um, the East team unless you have unless you have the someone else besides the Yankees. Oh there's two I teams just, actually I think... So I have the Red Sox and I'll go with yeah, I'll go think. with the Red Sox and I'll go with um and I'll go with Cleveland. Uh, I would go Oakland and mm. actually I'm gonna yeah. change I'm gonna go Oakland. I agree. Yeah, I think Oakland is gonna be pretty decent. Not gonna still be Houston, but enough to get a playoff spot. What about uh, what about the National League who you got out there?
1: Uh in the east, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Braves. Um a little, a little bit of surprise, but I'm gonna go with the Braves. Uh, in the NL Central, I'll go with the, uh, Cubs. And in the West, give me the, obviously I want to say the Giants, but give me the Rockies. Okay. And I guess we're doing wild card. Uh, give me the
0: Cardinals in the the Central and the Dodgers in the West. Uh... For the divisions in the National League in the East, um, in the East, uh, I hate picking anybody. It's not the Mets. I hate these teams so much. You know. What I'm saying? Yeah, it look, I would do. The same. I, I hate, hate these teams. It's a so little easier when the Giants are the worst team in the league. Uh, I, I, I'll hold my nose and say, I'll, I'll say the Phillies get it done. But well uh, uh, but I don't know. I honestly, I, th- I think that's going to be a division that is going to be. Fought over for a. I don't think we're gonna. Get, we're not, I think there's gonna be three or four teams in it, pretty much up until September. I, I can't pinpoint exactly what three teams they are. They're all the teams besides the the Marlins, obviously. I think all of them have like a chance to kind of be in the mix, and then that last month may just end up being who's healthier, who's playing harder, and that point is kind of unpredictable. But I, I'll I'll say the Phillies because just the the talent is is gonna be too much compared to those other teams. Um, In the Central, I'm taking the Brewers again. I, I believe in what the Brewers accomplished last year. Uh, I thought that they were going to win the World Series. I- I'm going to stick with them. I think what they have is special. In the West, I'm going to I'm gonna stay with the Dodgers again. I, talent overwhelms those other teams, though. I think the Rockies are a decent pick, and the Clayton Kershaw industry does bother me. As wild cards go, I'll go Rockies, and I will go Covey's. Mm. So, uh, World Series picks? World Series? uh, Give me...
1: Boston coming out of the AL. Give me... I feel pretty good about Chicago getting back. Mm. I'm saying Chicago
0: wins it. I'll go I'll go Astros Brewers and I'll take the Astros to win it. I think the Astros are like the most like I think I think the Astros are like the weirdest team cuz I feel like their talent is so mesmerizing, but because the Yankees and Red Sox have such big pow- big stars um and their division is so one-sided. Like they just kind of forgotten about. Like they're not easily one of the top two or three teams in regards to talent. But I think they just locked up Verlander, so he'll feel more comfortable pitching this year. So you hope that doesn't mean maybe he goes back to the Verlander that we saw at the end of Detroit. Bregman just got locked up. I mean, the talent they have with Bregman, Korea, Springer, um, obviously Altuve. They're still loaded. They're still loaded in the rotation i'm gonna say the Stros uh uh get it done As i said i think the brewers i think they were just one couple of games couple of close innings away from getting to the world series They didn't get it done uh this year though okay the, let's do who's flames and who's trash i'll go first my flames this week is ja morant ja morant uh was the talk of marsh madness especially after the first game which he recorded a triple double uh the first player to record a triple double in March Madness since um, Draymond Green. Uh, I can't remember who the last guard was to do it, but it was something. It was like someone crazy. It was like something like 20, 30 years ago. They they said it, but I don't remember. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was. But like, but the guys who have done it recently haven't been guards. So him doing it even is even more special. And he's flames because one, his game certainly showed. Uh, on the big stage that he's got it. If there were any questions about whether or not him playing against mid major guards and him playing on the smaller stage was kind of inflating his stats and probably possibly overrating him heading into the NBA draft season. Those were completely utterly quelched by his Dwayne Wade was the last guy Wade. That. There you go. Uh, so not 20 years. Andre ago, Miller also did it. Now was that was probably 20 years ago, Wade was yeah. more like 15 years ago. Um, no, I mean, Morant was just marvelous in these games and any thoughts that he was benefiting from playing at a small school in a bad conference with Quelch. This guy is the real deal. Um, he's super quick. His handle's great. He's got great court vision. He's an excellent passer and an excellent, willing passer. Uh, he showed he could three ball against Florida State. He had to have answered any question you would have. And he again, he became Talking March Madness. For a lot of people, he's number two. Uh, at this point and a lot of people EJ, are arguing, bumping him up to number two i'm still holding out judgment until the end of the tournament that's how All i right, look right, at it. Is that right. to me i think that zion is solidly number one and i think i i, I was barrett to morant three unless morant was unless there was a team that needed a point guard if the if a team needed a point guard i thought you would just take morant to me like we right, were the right, Suns, right, right. i think you take morant oh yeah i'm getting to uh, if if, if barrett unless barrett shows me something in these last three games he certainly can because he, he could potentially be on the biggest stage there is in college basketball and if he shows a clutch gene shows something that uh that surprises me he could stay in a number two spot potentially and still leave morant as a three only if you need a guard at two but he made a very convincing case to be the second now guy my question
1: is do we feel like that's a flawed mindset it's not just you, but just, it's not just right. you that does that, but right. everyone does it. Where we say, like, oh, if a guy has a great March Madness run, you know, he's going <laughs> to vault up the draft board. It's like, dude's played, he has a 40-game sample size.
0: That's true. I mean, I you think.
1: Know? Like, I, look at I, Justin Winslow, for example. Like well, that's yeah, guy
0: that was the biggest one where, and that's, ironically, I hated him, and no disrespect yeah. to Justice Justin Winslow. He's had a decent NBA career so far. But as an NBA prospect, guys who people thought could be a star player, I thought there was no chance i did not, not like him just, at all i thought he was short i thought that he benefited from playing with other great players and i thought there was no way his style of play would work at his size as a six foot five pop forward at duke and i was proven completely right about that I, morant's different morant is a great player i'm not
1: saying necessarily morant but, but like, for
0: like barrett. barrett yeah that's like, and that's all right like, he could go and score right. 30 you know next three games but you see them play 40 games yeah, a, that changed it, your entire evaluation. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair question. I think that's a question that definitely uh it definitely could be asked and, and I think that it still would be asked. It definitely proves that a guy has a certain it factor. Right. I do want to see can't that. prove in January. Yeah, I do wanna see, okay, like for RJ Barry, you're supposed to be number one player in the country. Okay, Zion overtaking you, we can understand that. But now everybody's talking about John Moran, I kinda do wanna give him the chance to okay. You're gonna have big games coming up now. What do you do in these games? Uh, the problem may be that Zion's so good that there's no way he's really gonna be able to have the impact he would want. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it might not. It might Zion's ability may take it kind of out of his hands, and Morant's play may kind of take it out of his hands. It might not be anything he does wrong in these next three games, but the way Duke has been playing, Zion's clearly become. We did that video a couple, you know, like a couple months ago where I said, look despite what we talk about with Duke and Zion, at the end of the day, RJ, they run the offense through RJ. RJ takes the most shots. He scores the most points. He's leading them in assists, like, or second in assists, I think. Like, he, he, this team still runs through him. You could argue that he's still the more talented overall basketball player because he could do more on the court than Zion can. That argument, is, I gotta throw that argument completely out the window from what I've seen since Zion came back from that injury. Zion has dominated the game in every facet, pretty much, since he came back. And now I can't say that anymore about RJ Barrett. And you were the one saying I was crazy to say that to begin with, but yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> but at least but to me Zion's at least showing that. I think even uh, for you to say that before, I thought it was more projecting because uh, right. like we hadn't seen yet. Now we're yeah. seeing. Oh no, Zion can average thirty. He can take over the game. He can run point forward. He can do those things that you were talking that I said that I didn't see him do yet. Therefore, I still held Barrett to a higher standard in some aspects because Zion's been so dominant recently. That may take this conversation out of rj's hands or whether or not can he do anything in these three games to keep his number two spot for which for me is very tenuous at this point uh but i do want to give him that chance so the so i'm gonna say tentatively he's still number two but boy he's got to play what he's i will say what i will say morant like, was crazy this weekend
1: Oh, morant is that he's a guy that i was so high on him during that video and people have been sleep on Morant, obviously like the draft people know you know yeah. we did a whole video on him like two three months ago yeah but, you know <laughs> there, there are some people on national tv talking about the draft you know haven't even included him in conversation Yeah, it's, cra- it's crazy it's crazy like, bowl, bowl.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy like bull bull yeah i'm like yo it's, it's crazy dude. to see these people who like didn't know who this guy was now talking
1: and i talking about him every day
0: like oh yeah, yeah job
1: Morant. i'm like and they've
0: only here. watched two games it's like, yo, last week you guys did a draft video, you guys didn't even mention it. Yeah, they've only watched two games. We and you have watched several games, several footage of other games yeah.
1: before this. And that's that's the thing about Morant is that like and that was that was kinda he's a player that you have to like watch a full game to really understand like how good he is. I agree. You know, like yeah. there are certain guys, like you pull on you put on like a highlight mix, you know, three minute highlight mix of their their greatest hits throughout the season. Some guys pop off the screen, and some guys don't. You know who was like that for me? Last year, Luka Doncic. Hmm. Like, yeah. Doncic was the guy, I watched plenty of games of Real Madrid, full 40-minute, however many minutes it is in Europe, of him playing and also playing for Slovenia. And I was like, pounding the table, this dude's gotta be the number one pick. But if you, it, and I'll, admittedly, if you watch a three-minute highlight clip of Luka Doncic, it's not gonna look that impressive. It's gonna look impressive now. But, it wouldn't have looked that impressive of him playing at Real Madrid. I think yeah. Morant, he he has highlight reels, but he kind of like what's more impressive isn't the highlight reels because there are a lot of guys that can dunk and are fast, you know, can make some slick passes that turn out to not be that great. But it's the it's the other things, the the, the handle, the poise, the passing ability, the the
0: the that basketball IQ that you can't really see in a three minute clip. I'll tell you what, Kendo, People keep talking about his turnovers. I don't care about his turnovers one bit.
1: I'll be the honest. Turnovers I, seem to come from... Boy, I'll let you
0: go. Well, yeah. The reason why I say I don't care about them one bit is because you got to understand, this guy is handling the ball so much for his team. Right. And, you he, and he's, his ability to do so much, he's trying to thread needles and trying to make plays. And some of these turnovers are fatigue. Some of these turnovers oh yeah, maybe trying to do a little too much. It's not a turnover of... My handle is kind of weak. My left hand is shaky. Those kind of turnovers. I'm a, dumb, I'm a dumb point guard. Oh, yeah. Like, or like, I'm just throwing the ball away for, like, just foolishness. Like, those are – that's different. That's okay. I, I. That would concern me. No, these are just – he has the ball 100% of the time, and he, he has to make a play for his team every time he touches it. So, and he's an incredible passer. Right. So and he's going to try things that maybe certain guys
1: aren't ready for or try things
0: that – Maybe maybe he he should have thought about it a second time. Right. But, like, but, but guess what? Not because he can't do it. And guess what? How many plays does he make that other guys couldn't dream about making? You know what right. I'm saying? So like you gotta take the turnovers in perspective. So I don't I don't right. even care about that. To me at zero to do, my my apprehension of putting him firmly at number two yet is little to do with him and more to do with okay, I wanna see what RG does in these last three games. I'm very much a stickler of I wanna see as much footage, as much stuff as I need to see. In order, before I make a full, bold decision or a firm decision on how I feel, I want to feel strong about it. But uh, Morant's flames because he was literally flames this weekend. I mean, he was incredible. and uh, It was too bad they ran into such a great team in the second round. I would have loved to see them catch another team that maybe they could have had a chance against because I mean, Murray State plays no defense. And he does have to work on his defense. That's the one thing I would say maybe. I would say, okay, that's something he definitely does need to work on. It's but... hard. It's
1: like, I mean, Morant is kind of like
0: a dude coming out of high school.
1: Because right. Because the competition, you know, it's like I can't tell you know he's been playing in such you know stiff you know not stiff but weak competition that like when you put him against like great dudes like I'm he has the physical tools obviously right you can actually teach him like yeah like <laughs> instead of playing against you know below average college point guard from
0: Eastern Kentucky you're, you're playing against you know Damian Lillard so yeah the Aaron effort's effort like, have to go up yeah exactly um. My trash this week, Kendall, was Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti well, Michael Avenatti. Yeah, this is this is, is, that, uh, it, this that, is not this this Can trust me guys, this is not Hardball with EJ Stewart. This is not uh this is not all. This is not all in. This is not all in with Kendall Stewart. This is we're not delving into the political range. This is not uh I don't know what I can't I don't know. I don't watch Fox News. So I don't know what names of the shows are. Whatever you think it is thinking, this is not a political segment we're doing here. Um, no, this. I'm taking off Michael Avenatti because he's actually crossed over into our realm. He's in a lot of trouble. He's being charged and indicted. He was indicted on uh, charges that he uh, bribed and extorted Nike. You got.
1: You got to start. You got to start with his first tweet.
0: Well, his first tweet. Well, was that? Did he get indicted? Well, what was his first tweet? Because I, I. So
1: he came out with a tweet at like 10 a.m. yesterday. I guess it was Monday, saying like, "I'm gonna come out." with a press conference tomorrow, meaning oh, yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's going to shake the college basketball world. And did he say it was about Nike? I don't remember. I, if he I, said I, it was I don't
0: know if he said it about, I don't know if he said it was about Nike. I am not. Have yeah, it might have been about
1: Nike. I think it was about Nike. I think, I think he said like, he's going to shake the highest college basketball programs and the highest levels of Nike. And then, like three hours later, the feds pull up. <laughs> now you can
0: that's crazy. So the feds pull up. He gets charged. They're saying he based him and and ironically a dude that represented Colin Kaepernick, which is very interesting. Um, basically a story was a story Nike for money, and uh, and Jesse and, Smollett and Jesse yeah and the guy also uh yeah he also represented Jesse Smollett, uh who just got off today by the way. And yeah. Other other beyond sports news. Um, <laughs> this is a very beyond sports segment, but trust me, we're getting to the sports part of it. Uh, those guys. Both had been uh, named co-conspirators, Avenatti the one being charged, and trying to basically defraud and and extort Nike. The feds pull up, but Kendall said, he gets arrested. Today, he's coming out defending himself, and in that defense, he's naming names, Kendall. This is where Mr. Avenatti becomes trash to me, because my thing is, look, you got to beef with Nike, and you know, you want to... Enrich your brand or whatever you're trying to do. I don't really know, honestly, what Michael Avenatti is trying to do today when I see him on TV or anything. But whatever you're trying to do, that's fine. Stay in your lane. I'm cool. I had concern today when he's talking about, hey, talk about the money that Nike was giving to DeAndre Ayton and his mom. Hey, talk about the money that Bo Bo was getting from Nike. Like Now he's implicating young men... One guy who's about to be in the NBA, another guy who's in the NBA who have moved on from their time at in college as amateurs, guys who who they did not commit crimes to implicate them in something that while you could have maybe make the case that Nike was doing something criminal to put names onto crimes that they didn't commit for the sake of your own personal selfish gain is a complete utter trash move, especially when you consider Bo Bo is. I believe a teenager, so that's now you're talking about kids that you're you're trying to 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 to, to get your name off of. I, I, that this was just a slimeball sleazy uh, move by what I believe is probably a desperate man, and I think the fact that he name dropped Aiden and name dropped Bow Ball, I thought was just utter trash. Like I said, stay in your lane, dude. I hope you want to fight your case. I hope that works out for you. But to name drop these guys and trying to trying to trying to you know bring static to their front yard because yeah. your front yard is looking shaky right now. It's just lame. Michael and Avenatti, I, you are day, like, nobody cares. Nobody like, does. Like
1: now that, that that joint was old news obviously. And like bull bull, I mean Anyone with two eyes could see that. He, chances are, he may have potentially been getting something. I mean, regardless, like an, a Michael Avenatti tweet isn't going to make people like, be, "Oh my gosh, Bobo Bo is getting paid." It's just going to be more smoke along with the rest of the smoke that like a lot of guys are probably getting paid. You know what I mean? So, like, I like I don't care. You know what I mean? There's a there there's wiretapped. Conversations of a Kansas assistant saying that Zion Williamson wanted like a hundred thousand dollars and a house, or his stepfather wanted a hundred thousand dollars a house and a job. Right. And nobody cares. So a Michael Alvanati tweet about a dude that already entered the draft isn't gonna isn't gonna affect anything. Um. I mean, Dana Altman had to comment on it, and he said no comment. You know, like will this affect Oregon's program going forward potentially? Arizona's already in hot water, so it's not like
0: this is gonna hurt them. I mean, my I thing know. is, look, if they're doing I, I, my, I don't care as much about those programs. Um, if they're do, I mean, unless they're innocent. If they're innocent, then that's really messed up what's happening. Um, if there, if there is some kind of uh, malfeasance happening, I, I don't really. My concern isn't with the programs. Those programs are all these college programs are exploiting these young, these young men on levels that are. Uh, really sad to see, but again, my my primary concern and reason why he's trash for me is again this the fact that this guy is a targeting very young men, one one young man who's in who's a kid in college, and try to put shine onto a case that he's trying to do that that you know and that in that which he he just got charged for extortion and it, yeah I and a case like...
1: that that wasn't about anything righteous right it, it was a case about. Let me see like if I can shake Nike down right to exactly. get twenty bucks or twenty million twenty million bucks, so that that's the pro that's even w- the worst part. If It was like, yeah, this is the case that I want to fight because you know Nike are a bunch of crooks or the case I want to fight because my client was was gypped out of like you know twenty million bucks, I want to get it back. That's a different situation, but this is him saying like, yeah, like literally. The program, Cal Supreme, which was DeAndre Aden's AAU team, Bo Bo, Sharif O'Neal, a lot of dudes, it got ended. And mm-hmm. that was a $72,000 program. Like, that's how much money Nike put into the program. They they cut it off, cut off the AAU coach. So the AAU coach goes to this dude, Alvinati, or vice versa, I don't know who went to who, and was like, yo, let's go after Nike. Nike, or, and Alvinati goes to Nike and says, you know, we know, we know all the stuff, all the shady stuff you were doing with this seventy two thousand dollar uh program. We know you paid Bull Bull or whatever, a hundred thousand or however much you paid him. So I want twenty five million. Like, the numbers don't add up. <laughs> <Right. know? laughs> like yeah. how do we get from a seventy two thousand dollar program to you give me twenty five million or I'm going to the million. public. Yeah. No. Just... Uh, I mean it's it's sketchy. And the one thing, the last thing I can tell you, the last thing I'll say is that I, we learned today that or yesterday that Nike is has way more pullers, way more Illuminati than I think people realize. Oh yeah, That's, because yes, we definitely. talk about a guy, Speaking it. Speak it, King. We we talk about a guy that for months was going after the the president of the United States, uh, who you know, I guess a billionaire, depending on who you ask, and. The entire, had probably the entire right wing uh, going after him. And he was barely touched. And this dude, two hours, puts a tweet saying he's going to attack Nike the next day. And within like an hour, he he's like, he's being, the feds pull up on. Him. So, Phil Knight, you know, whoever it was, Mark Parker, whoever at Nike wanted to send the message. The message was sent that you don't mess around with them because... and send threats and try to extort them out of money because they are ready.
0: Yeah, it, that was interesting to see the kind of, yeah, the, the shadowy figures in the government that are willing to protect Nike so fast. It especially interesting considering how much Adidas has been rocked by the scandal by the Yeah, fans. even Adidas, I, yeah. I just... Well, the, the, but that was the opposite. Like, think about that. The exactly. like, Diaz yeah. was targeted in their college basketball probe. Here, n- clearly Nike went to the Fed and said, hey, this guy's about to do something crazy. He's extorting us. Like, go get him. <laughs> and they got yeah. him. They didn't wait to say, wait a minute. We, you can do the same stuff that Nike that we just popped the Diaz were doing. They didn't worry about that. They worried about, oh, you know, let's go get this guy. And it is crazy ironically you said that this guy can go out to the president and for the most part go mostly unscathed. And he he mentions Nike and the next day he's in handcuffs. I mean, that's that's <laughs> that welcome to America, man. That's that's a crazy time we're living in. Anyway, Ken, what's your flames and trash?
1: Uh yeah, so I'll start with uh Trash this week is um coach of UC Irvine, Russ Tucker, who is you know he did a good job. Granted, you know UC Irvine had a nice win over uh, uh, Kansas State, and but the second game, their second game against Oregon, uh, they dealt with a situation where um, Lewis King, Oregon's you know arguably best player, second best player probably depending on him, and Peyton Pritchard, um, freshman. Uh, throughout the game, the coach, Russell Tucker, uh, was asked – well, after the game, he was asked he – had, he had a lot of interactions with King. You know, it didn't seem too positive, didn't seem too friendly. After the game, he was asked about these the interactions. They lost the game by, like, 20 points, 19 points. And uh, uh, Russ Turner said in the post-game preference that, yeah, you know, we talked about the fact that uh, I was calling him queen all game. And, you know, obviously, you know, he knew calling Louis King, Queen, telling his players, watch King, I mean, watch Queen, watch Queen would irritate. Him. And he said, he told him after the game and, you know, wanted to preface or wanted to explain it by saying that, yeah, like I was calling him a queen because he's going to be the queen. Like he's the queen of, on a chessboard. Like he's their most important piece. He's their best player.
0: Oh yeah, that sure. That's of, what sure that's what you were thinking.
1: Out of respect, he he only said that after and like if you had the video, if you watch the video, like he like says like yeah, I was calling him queen and like starts like laughing and joking like people you can tell like no, nobody reacts. Like, it wasn't like it was almost like you know it was like a bad joke and like and then he realized oh I guess that wasn't funny. Yeah, you know it was, all, it was all out of respect, but yeah. I mean Russ Turner, uh, you know he did a good job. You know, he could have played your way into a bigger job. There are some openings that I'll talk about soon that probably fit his resume. But um, he, uh, yeah, he messed up his his name big with that. Uh, just, just don't heckle a 19 year old kid. You know, like, I understand you're used to Irvine, you need every advantage you can get. But, I mean, what you're a head coach. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know how much hate in the heat these guys get from fans? Do we really need opposing coaches now heckling dudes? Uh, in the NBA, I don't care, but because they're getting paid a certain amount of money, I mean, all, all tactics within the rules are, are viable. But yeah, nah, this this for me was was trash.
0: Yeah, that that was that was awful. I mean, you're talking about a, again a college kid, and you're really taunting a college kid. Look, I I kill Coach K for just telling Dylan Brooks, hey, like you don't you shouldn't you don't have to do that, and then lying about it. My issue wasn't as much about him saying that you don't have to do that, though I did have an issue with that because his players do that stuff all the time. Um, but then to go in and say, oh, I didn't say that when you did. That was trash. This is mega, mega trash compared to what Coach K did. I mean, you're talking about heckling the other player, talking, you know, making a reference to his manhood by calling him queen. I mean, that's just the the, the most lame Ish you could po- i could possibly think of for opposing head coach and there's so much underlying stuff there with you know the, the emasculation of young black men with this white male coach saying this to this kid that it's just it's, it's a lot to un- uh, i could unpack a lot but it just would make me too upset and too concerned that was trash by that dude it's a it's a shame because it took away from a great moment that that program had with this nonsense that this fool was going through terrible
1: yeah uh flames for me is devin booker um obviously the Suns have had a uh pretty awful season but uh and they just lost <laughs> uh again to the utah jazz by i believe 20 something 20 something plus points 30 points i uh 32 33 cut them a little short um lost to utah by 33 in a game which Phoenix scored only 92 points, uh, but 59 of the 92 points were scored by Devin Booker. So, credit to Devin Booker. He was obviously flamed. No other player on the Sun scored 10. Um, DeAndre Aiden was the second high man with nine points. Uh, Jimmy Fredette made his debut out in Utah. You know, also flamed. He had six points. But, uh, Devin Booker, man. I think he's gonna ask for a trade. I think he might. There's some people who say <laughs> that are making the case. There's no way. Like he said, he wants to grow long term with the young core and blah blah blah. He
0: he also said no he wasn't way. missing the playoffs again, and that's yeah, crazy.
1: that's my thing. He also said, "I'm never missing the playoffs again." And pull in this this happens. Dude played the second best game of his career. The the two greatest games of his career. They both lost. <laughs> they lost both games by double digits. You don't think that's going to wear on this guy? Yeah. Even that fact. But the fact that, like, I mean, he got no help. I mean, literally, the same percentage, he scored the same percentage of his team's points, like 65% that Kobe scored when he scored 81 points. Like, there's not there's not much this dude could have done. And they still lost by 30. And when you look at the, the construction of this team, what are they possibly gonna do to where they could compete for a playoff spot in the West next year? They're gonna have to fire Igor Kokoshkov, which I thought was a good hire, but until they they, <laughs> they ruined they ruined it by drafting DeAndre Aiden instead of Louis Doncic. So now it's a it's a it's a hire that makes no sense. So they're probably gonna have to fire Igor, get a new coach, find a point guard, and trade half these young dudes for like real veteran players. But that's a lot of steps. And even then is that even a forty one team then? I don't know. It's just a lot of variables. It's a lot easier for Devin Booker to just go on, you know, James Jones' desk, or Robert Sarver's desk and say, I want out.
0: And from there, I think Phoenix would entertain trading Devin Booker. It was a whole other conversation. Um, that is an interesting conversation that I think maybe we have time another day we will go into. Oh, what what's Kendall's core, Kendall? Let's get out of here.
1: Uh, Kendall's court, EJ, um, I feel like, uh, obviously when you get to this part of the, the year in any sport where you reach the end of the season, you enter the postseason, you start to realize that there are going to be a lot of coaching jobs open, and that's where we're we're at in college basketball. Um, the first major one was UNLV last week, uh, Marvin Menzies was fired at UNLV, uh, but in the, in the coming in the in the last week since the end of since the starting tournament, we've had uh, Vanderbilt fire Bryce Drew. We've had Alabama fire Avery Johnson. Uh, we've had uh, Dave Rose retire or resign at BYU. We've had uh, I don't know if I'm missing. Oh, uh, Jones was fired at Cal. Um, I feel like there's one more that's fairly major that I am missing. Oh, Tim in Nebraska. Yeah. Fired in miles. But, um, those are pretty much the major openings Two in the West coast. Oh, in Arkansas fired Mike Anderson, three in the sec. Um, uh, and then you have one in the big 10 with, uh, Nebraska, uh, Jason kids being talked about at Cal and UNLV, but he seems That's- to be one of the, um, Get the Laker job.
0: I actually well, heard. I actually heard that the Cal thing is complicated because he he has. I guess in order to be a administrator at Cal, you have to have a college degree, which he does not have, and he's not close to. Yeah. Getting it. Yeah. If he's not close to getting it, then he probably won't get the job. Yeah.
1: Um, which <laughs> it stinks for Cal because he would he would have made a lot of sense. So. They're they're kind of in, uh, in no man's land. Um, is UNLV? What uh, I I pose the question with this, EJ. Yeah. What do you think out of all yeah. those teams? What do you think is the best job right now open? Arkansas, okay. Alabama, UNLV, Cal. Uh, I kind of feel like it's UNLV. I don't know, like I can't tell you money or. I like,
0: mean, it sounds or like programs going. You say like oh. it sounds like UNLV. Yeah, I was gonna say UCLA. to Think about uh, Saint. Saint Joe's also fired Phil Martelli, and what was kind of a, a messed up way they fired him. If you can,
1: man, I, I I told some people out in Philly, I was like, no sympathy
0: for Phil Martin Martelli because because of, like, of the clown stuff he did with that uh, yeah, that kid dude. who tried to leave.
1: Yeah, yeah man, I, I've never I, that dude, man, no sympathy for. him. Yeah, I, in all accounts, he's a good guy, but that was that was an awful situation.
0: That was really bad. Um, Hopefully that was just a one mistake. Yeah, I don't want to judge him on one thing. We killed him on that for this sh- on this show, deservedly so. But, I mean, in terms of the best job with UCLA, it's always interesting because we don't know if they're in the business yet of, you know, obviously. It, there's been, also the rumor about Kyle Perry to UCLA that's being thrown out there. He And he kind of just – he said that's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. He tweeted that that wasn't going to happen. Of course, Kyle Perry is – said things before and done other things so who knows what's <laughs> going to happen but he said that that's not going to happen i don't really put much stock into that i think but you say LA
1: do they have the money Yeah, they don't, like you said we don't they, know in they the,
0: they have they probably have the money from a salary standpoint but when you get into your account man we don't think about how much these people think about state taxes and they should yeah. if you're thinking of making money decisions the taxes going in california and the in the cost of living compared to Lexington, Kentucky, albeit the quality of life is probably a lot better in Los Angeles and Pasadena and Westwood than Lexington. At least I would think. I don't know. Maybe he likes the lifestyle in Lexington. Uh, That would make you suggest, okay, well, maybe he he would prefer that. But I I just don't think that there's any way he would – I don't think there's any way he leaves UK because of the loss in money he would take from going there. Maybe not in salary, but in taxes he would take the hit. And, uh, go ahead.
1: Well, yeah, was just, there's also the conversation with, like, UCLA. Like, Steve Alford's been flying, like, commercial to, like, recruit and stuff. And Cal hasn't stepped on a commercial flight since he left <laughs> Memphis. So, yeah. you know, will they give him a private plane? Like, there's a lot of, there's always a lot of politics when it comes to big college basketball jobs like that. Yeah,
0: there's, I don't think that's going to happen. I I still think, I mean, in terms of the recent places, I would say... Uh, UNLV is intriguing. I would say, I still think that Cal is intriguing. You know, it's surprising to me that there hasn't been a guy who's been able to kind of get that thing going. The talent on the West Coast, albeit recently, we seems like it's down. But there's still a lot of really good players. Cal's a great school. Um, Yes, there are challenges, but I I, I don't understand how people can't get that thing going. Uh, I would not sleep on Alabama either. I'm not gonna sleep on those football those massive football programs that they really they decided have money. that yeah. yo, know, we wanna try to win in basketball too, and how a coach can can successfully use the football program in their recruitment. Billy Donovan, I talk about it all the time on the show. Billy Donovan Billy Donovan excuse me, was a mastermind at using the, the, the college football program at Florida to help him recruit we, players, you know, to the basketball team. And well, people don't understand. Alabama was way better than Florida was when Billy Donovan was there. And you know, people have to understand is
1: like these schools put like, like Alabama probably puts like eighty million dollars or something. Like yeah. just random number. but let's say they put like eighty million into football. Like they're putting like Kentucky probably puts like ten million into basketball.
0: Right, exactly.
1: The B uh, is the best basketball program. So could Alabama say like you know instead of putting eighty million into football, let's put like seventy five, and let's put let's go from two million in basketball, let's put seven right in, in basketball and, that change and now everything. you're close to Kentucky exactly yeah exchange like they have the money to to spend is right. what i'm saying if they need it they could take it from the football program right. like a school like UNLV for example can't just get money out of nowhere because they don't they, they don't have the football program or the, they don't have really i mean they may have the boosters but like it's got to it's got to come from boosters it's not going to come from like the athletic
0: department and sometimes Kendall what you did with your last hire tells me how serious you are in your next hire like I think when they hired Avery Johnson they were very serious about basketball and him being there in such a short time period meaning fired so quickly tells me that they're very serious maybe he shouldn't have been fired but to me that tells me okay they're very serious about this you might you might have a very short leash but that also means that they're going to give you every resource necessary to do well the right guy maybe gets it done I think overall still the job at UCLA because it's UCLA. But the Houston jobs, I would say Cal and and, uh, and Alabama.
1: I say UNLV because I think the West Coast, there is a void. There is a void. Arizona was the team, and they could still be the team, but there's an obvious void now that Arizona's in their issue. They have their issue. Oregon kind of hasn't been able to capitalize, and UNLV. I mean, UCLA's been down. And Gonzaga's been the best team in the West Coast for the last five years.
0: But Gonzaga doesn't, re- doesn't recruit those top players
1: out right, in the West. Right, exactly. You know, they're not even getting those guys. So yeah. if there is going to be a school, like if UNLV wants to get in the business like you talked about, they obviously are willing to do it. They've proven they are. Then they could be dynamite in a hurry, depending on who they hire. I mean, if, obviously I'm a Memphis fan. If they were to hire Mike Miller, I would I would hate it. But they would be getting dudes like crazy. You know, it wouldn't necessarily be like Penny Hardaway, but it would be, it would be pretty close, and they would probably be one of the best teams in the West Coast. I just don't know if Mike Miller can coach, which is why I don't know if it's going to happen. But, um, other, regardless, though, I, I'm excited to see how the rest of this. Uh, yeah. Also, think like Fre- Fred Hoiberg is going to go to Nebraska.
0: Yeah, that seemed like a, pretty much a done deal. Uh, uh sh- look out for BYU. Dave Rose uh, resigning that's been a, a pretty steady program, and I, I still think kind of a sleeping giant when I mean, you consider so many of the very talented players in Utah, very talented Mormon players who really only look at BYU.
1: The, uh, the tough thing about BYU is, like, they need—I'm pretty sure they need a Mormon coach, which—
0: Was like, Rose Mormon? I had no idea. I believe he is. Okay, I, I, I didn't know.
1: Now, I mean, there are a lot of—I mean, there's a lot of Mormon basketball, you know, figures, but— not like it's, it does limit, I think it does limit them to an
0: extent. I don't know, was Bronco Mendenhall a Mormon? Like, these are things that nobody really cares yeah, about. Yeah, I, I never looked this up, so I have no idea. I need to hit up my guy from grad school who went to BYU. Uh, uh, Parker, he was a Mormon, and, and I don't know if he went to BYU or he's a fan like yeah I forgot, but nonetheless, uh, he probably would know. It wouldn't surprise me if they needed it, but uh, there are a lot of interesting coaching hires, hires that should, Excuse me, coaching openings there should be a, a fun coaching carousel to see where the pendulum swings and what jobs open up for guys that leave the gigs that they're at. Because you know, obviously Hoiberg was unemployed, and then he hired. He he went somewhere, but you know, what jobs open up from guys going to Temple, going to UCLA, going to uh, Alabama? You know, that's gonna be make this thing even more fun when the jobs really start opening up uh, after the tournaments over and these coaching hires start to get filled um but that's a good place to wrap the show guys so i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of new generation sports talk podcast um we'll be back next week with more sports talk i know we said normally we're back uh i told you we'd be back last week but the timing of the tournament kind of messed everything up but next week we should definitely be good to give you guys our preview of the final four we'll also talk some baseball of course with the opening day starting so should be good stuff happening the nba playoffs are also uh in full swing so keep your eye out for our podcast on the New Generation Podcast Network, find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, where there's always content going up. There'll be more content going up this week, so keep your uh, eyes out for that. Uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook, New Generation Media, on Twitter at New Generation Pod, and on Instagram at New Generation Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at ej_stewart. And on Instagram at Action EJ. Again, we'll be back next week with more sports talk. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.